The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. We've been talking about being flawless which is what we are because we are in Christ Jesus. It, it's what it means to be in him. Now, I know that this is kind of a, a progression of revelation that takes place in our lives to, to get to that revelation of and understanding of that we are flawless because it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that sometimes because we see wrong behavior happening in other people and also in and in of ourselves. And what we don't understand a lot of times is that because we are in Christ Jesus, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, that you're hidden in Christ Jesus, it means that when God the Father looks at you and I, he sees you and I hidden in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Christ Jesus is flawless. He knew no sin, even though he lived in this earth for 33 years, did not sin. He became the righteous lamb of God that was slain for our sin. And because we're in him, that's how God the Father sees you and I, is hidden in Christ Jesus. So what we're beginning to understand is that it's a position of righteousness. That when we became born again children of God, meaning we surrendered our hearts and lives to God, it didn't happen because we were born in America, When we surrendered our hearts and lives to Christ, we became born again. We literally were born from sons of the devil. I know some of you still think some Christians are sons of the devil, but they're not. We became sons of the Most High God. We became children of the King. That's one of the reasons why when a prince is walking around in the palace, he knows he has a right to be there because he knows who his daddy is. So who's your daddy, right? If you begin to understand who your God is and who you are in Christ Jesus, you begin to understand that it's a position of righteousness. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. So even when we sin, you realize what sin is? It means to miss the mark. Meaning God has a plan for our lives, a purpose for our lives, and he's he's telling you and I, hey, this is the plan I have for you. you. You get to walk in this, that even when we miss the mark, if we're a child of God, We're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we began unpacking what's the deal with sin. Does does it really matter if I'm the righteousness of God? I can kind of do whatever I want. Listen, while God is merciful and forgiving, sin is not. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. When you and I look at the world in which we live in, there's all kinds of junk going on in our world because of sin. It wasn't God's plan. It wasn't his intention. So when we begin to understand our position of righteousness, we begin to understand that we no longer have to sin. If you, again, keep saying, well, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace, you'll keep supplying the evidence that you're a sinner. But the moment you gave your life to Christ, you are no longer a sinner. Now you are saved by grace. You're hidden in Christ Jesus. You're the righteousness of God in him. So we do not have to sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you and I. When we sin, it's because we want to sin. We started hanging out too close to sin. 
And when we begin to understand that sin is going to lead to death, death of relationship, death of finances, death of my emotions, death of my feelings, we want to avoid sin at all costs. Not because God will love us more or God will love us less, but because we recognize the damage that sin brings. So because we're children of God, we now have Christ's righteous nature in us. The Bible talks about how it's a cloak of righteousness that covers us. Listen, if you missed any of these series in Flawless, any of the messages in this series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast. I believe that they are life-changing. I hope your life has been being changed by the preaching of the Word of God, okay? All right, so here's the position we need to take in the righteousness of God and rest in it if it's going to work in our lives. Now, I've said this a little bit earlier, but we have a tendency to think Christianity is just kind of this religious duty checklist that I go to church, you know, once every two or three weeks, or I I have a quiet time, and, and that's kind of what Christianity is. Listen, Christianity means to be a follower of Christ. And what God desires is not just for us to do the religious duty things. He wants to be involved in all areas of our life. He wants to be your business partner. He wants to be your partner in marriage. And listen, when we begin to operate in the supernatural, what that means is God begins to take his Holy Spirit, his super, and put it upon our natural. So suddenly, when we've been bad husbands for a long time, the Holy Spirit begins to direct us and says, stop saying that. Stop doing that. You don't have to do that, Richie. You can talk nice. You don't have to be, yes, you don't have to be sarcastic. You You don't have to say those kinds of things. So, so God wants to be operating in our lives. So what we want is the righteousness of God to actually be working in our lives. Now, some of you need to brace yourself because this is the position that we need to take r- related to our righteousness. As if sin had never occurred. When we became a child of God, Christ forgave us of our sins, past sins, present sins, and even all future sins. So we need to... Uh, Take this position in righteousness as if sin had never occurred. Because what we want to do, or what sometimes other people want to do, is they want to remind us of our past sins. And try to keep dragging us back to, look, you've always been a liar. You've always been a thief. You've always been unkind. You've always been unfaithful to your spouse. You've always been, you've always been. And we need to go, no, no, that's not who I am anymore. As if sin had never occurred. See, what this this deals with is an internal attitude. It's an internal attitude that positions us for external results. How many of you would love God operating with you in your business, in your marriage, in your finances? The God who owns it all, that knows it all, that can give you wisdom in investments, can give you wisdom in business decisions, can give you wisdom in in how to operate with other people. So again, it's our internal attitude that positions us for external results. Because what we want is what God's word was destined to do in our lives, working in our lives. Meaning if I read a promise, I don't want to think, well, it's just in the sweet by and by when I get to heaven one day. I want that promise operating in my life right now right now. Amen? Amen. So I I want you to notice some things as we look through Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, flip over there because it is telling us some things that we need to understand because we are in a battle to lay hold of righteousness. We, We are naturally scripted from the way we were born, the world in which we live in, to be performance driven. Based upon how I act is the rewards that I get. Our jobs, relationships, whatever it would be. So we're in a battle to lay hold of this understanding of righteousness to to take hold of it in our lives. See, 
And the, the, the battle for this is going to be won or lost in my mind. You'll notice when I'm preaching the word of God how easy it is for you to be distracted. Right? By someone next to you, someone around you, or start thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon. Because the enemy doesn't want you to hear the word of God, so the word of God begins to get in your mind and begins to transform your mind by the way that you think. So it's going to be settled or lost in the battlefield of my mind. And, and for me to experience the force of righteousness on my behalf means I'm going to have to learn how to live my life in alignment with the truths in the word of God. And if you understand that, say amen. 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 Again, this can be a little bit meatier message, but I already shared um, the only um, magic tricks I knew last week, so I'm not going to be able to share those again with you. But I, I want you to kind of uh, buckle up again. We're going to read some word today. Very foundational teaching, but I believe it will be life transforming. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. Now, I, I want to read this from the Amplified Version, and what the Amplified Version does is it expands on the Greek words, and, and here's what it says. Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction. Now, what this means is it's talking about confidence. Say confidence. It's wanting us to have confidence coming with absolute assurance and conviction engendered by faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality on, in, on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. Now, this is a, a progression for us as followers of Jesus Christ because while we initially will turn our lives over to him, we still feel this responsibility to do things all the time. And so we're leaning on ourselves and trying to lean on God, and that's not how it works. We're leaning the entire personality in, on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty or an evil conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish, talking about our righteousness, and confess and our acknowledgement of it, for he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Yeah. All right, I know that that was a ton, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit. So if you checked out, would you mind checking back in? Right? All right. Because these are two very powerful verses that we, if we do not lay hold of them, we are going to miss out on the power and the results of righteousness in our lives. Again, that's what we're looking for. See, I'm thankful for what we've learned. Aren't you thankful for what you've learned about God? I'm thankful for the understanding that we have about the righteousness of God. So we've learned a lot of things. We've understood a lot of things. But I'm not interested in you and I just gaining more knowledge and understanding. I am interest, interested in us knowing how to believe because we have to learn really how to believe because we believe according to the pattern of the world, but we need to learn how to believe in order to see the results that God, God's word wants to do in our lives. All right? Because God's word will do just what it says. The word of God is not an old document that doesn't really apply to our lives anymore. So let me unpack this again and kind of go a little bit slower through the verses. Again, amplified version, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us come forward and draw near with true 
honest and sincere hearts. How? Come in unqualified, meaning I didn't qualify for it, assurance and absolute conviction, confidence again, engendered by faith by the leaning of the entire human personality. Meaning with God, what we want to do is we want to get all in with God. We want to get all in with God. We don't want to kind of get in on Sundays and then out on Monday. I want to get all in with God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. Now listen, you can test yourself on the scripture by how you're doing by just looking at his how you're act, acting. Because it's very easy for us to say as a Christian, yes, I've got absolute trust and confidence in God. God bless you, Brother Brown. I've got absolute trust and confidence in God. Have you ever heard someone say that? Have you ever said that yourself, right? But if you've said that or if you're thinking that, are you worried? Are you anxious? Are you fearful about things that are going on in your life? I mean, when you are relying absolutely on God, it means that you're willing to wait and see God show up and do something. Rather than sit around worrying and fretting and trying to do something yourself and never resolve that absolute confidence in God's power. Because it's very easy for us because we're a microwave generation that we're going to pray a prayer. God, I know your word says by your stripes I'm healed, so heal me. Okay, I'm not healed, must not work. Let me go figure out what I have to do to make it happen. Right? I'm reading through the, the Bible again. I, I've read through the Bible several times. This I take, had taken a small break, but I'm going back through it again. And I'm reading about the patriarchs in Genesis. You ever read about that? And how long they waited on promises is amazing. Some of them decades for the promise. Some of them never saw the complete fulfillment of the promise. And yet, you know what? They trusted in God. They didn't waver. I love the song we were singing today. I sing because you are good. I dance because you are good. I shout because you are good. It didn't say I sing because you're doing good things in my life. It said just because he's good. And when I know that he's good, I can wait till his goodness shows up because I know he's good. So I'm resting in the fact, God, I know that you're good. Thank you, God, that you're good. You know what? I'm in a dark hour of my life right now, but God, I know that you're good. God, I'm in a financial situation I don't know how to get out of yet, but I know that you're good. God, I'm going through something in a relationship in my life, and I don't know how to fix it or how to solve it, but God, I know that you're good. So we rest in it. See, sometimes we don't give it enough time. We give up on God and then try to do something ourselves because we're not giving God enough time. And if we are not careful, we can birth Ishmael's in our life. It's what Abraham did. God had given Abraham a promise, and and Abraham was just trusting God, and then that woman that God had given him. Remember that's what Adam said, the woman that thou gavest me? Then Sarah comes up and says, look, well, this isn't happening. Why don't you go ahead and take my maidservant and go ahead and and have a kid through through my maidservant? And what was birthed was Ishmael. All the trouble in the Middle East? Birth of Ishmael. So we sometimes begin to get ahead of God or want to make things happen for God. So in relationships, it's very imperative that we allow the Holy Spirit to work on our spouse, not try to be the Holy Spirit and work on our spouse. Amen? See, most Christians who prefer to operate by human reasoning rather than faith in the Word of God will call you foolish and say that you have no wisdom when you're waiting on God. Now listen, when you're waiting on God, it doesn't mean that you're sitting around doing nothing. 
You're doing what you know to do, but you're not anxious as you're doing the things that you know to do. God, I'm just trusting you. Because you see, what God wants us to do, as I said last week, is get moving. Do some things. You have a go until you have a no. So we begin doing what we know to do, but we're resting in it as we're going. We're trusting God as we're going. We're just doing what we know to do, but we're trusting God with the results. See, because I'm telling you that I've, I've been where I've been operating in human reasoning, and I've watched it create and bring bad things into my life. See, do you think it's wise by human reasoning to forgive people who did you wrong? Do you think it's wise by human reasoning to be a giver with people that might be a taker or might not appreciate what it is that you're giving? Listen, they may call me foolish and unwise, but I'm not entangled with bitterness because I wouldn't forgive somebody. They may call me foolish and unwise, but I'm not broke. In fact, I am blessed and highly favored because I know that God is my source. Therefore, I bring the tithe back to him that belongs to him, and I participate in giving as he leads me to do. So I'm blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. So listen, don't get mad at me when you see God blessing me. I'm a man of God. I should be blessed. You're a man and woman of God, and you should be blessed. So do you think it's foolish, or by, by human wisdom, do you think it's right to, to trust in what we think and what we feel rather than the Word of God? Absolutely not. We want to trust in the Word of God. See, some of us, we need to make up our mind. It's either the Word of God or it isn't. Talking about your Bible now. It's either the word of God or it isn't. Either you believe it or you don't. And I'm telling you, God's word works. Listen, I've done some things that other people thought were pretty foolish. Like beginning this church with only three families and no financial backing. It's, it's honestly staggering statistically how many churches that start like we started that don't make it. But look what the Lord has done. Listen, it's, I, I've done some things that, I, that people said was pretty foolish, like, like raising, trying to raise half a million, almost half a million dollars in about 70 days so we could get into this building. But when you get a word from God, look what the Lord has done. This isn't me. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about looking what God has done. See, sometimes we just got to get a word from God. See, listen. The reason why so many people are struggling in developing confidence in the Word of God is because they don't know the Word of God. It's great that you're here this morning to hear the Word of God and me teach the Word of God, but you need to hear the Word of God for yourself. In fact, when I teach you something, you don't just need to assume that I'm right. I could possibly make a mistake. No, actually, I could make a mistake all the time. So we got to go to the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says. We've got to be good students of the Word of God. We can't understand some things from first and second opinions only. We've got to understand what the Word of God says. Amen? And get established in it. See, your confidence level is never going to grow if you keep putting it on someone else to help you work it out. It's hard to develop confidence in God's Word if you're never... If you're not ever putting yourself in a position to develop confidence in his word. Every area that you're going to grow in God's word, you're going to have to take a step of faith. Lord, I've been, I've been taught growing up that, that healing was dispensational. That it happened in the disciples' day, for, but now we've got the word of God and God doesn't heal anymore. Some of you were actually taught that. So what we have to do is we have to say, what does the word of God say? That's what I want to choose to believe. And so I'm going to start saying over my life, God, thank you that by your stripes I am healed. 
Amen? So what if we mess up? Right? So, so what if we fail at it? So, so what if it doesn't work out exactly the way that we thought it would work out? At least we're developing confidence in the Word of God. See, there are some of you that have gone through some things that if someone would have told you, you're going to have to go through this, you'd have said, man, I, I can't do that. I, I'm never going to be able to make it through it. And yet you made it through it. And you're out on the other side now and you're going, wow, look what the Lord has done. And you're recognizing what God has done for you, and all of a sudden you have this unqualified, absolute, complete trust that is building confidence on the inside of you. So the next time you're about ready to walk through something, you might be a little fearful, but maybe not as much. And you're saying, I remember what God did then. I know what God can do now in my life. I didn't think I was going to make it then. I didn't think I was going to make it last year. But look what the Lord has done. Look where I'm at right now. And all of a sudden, you have something so valuable, something so priceless. Again, it's an unqualified and trust confidence in the Word of God. See, you can be a Christian, but when it's you versus the situation that you're facing, and there appears to be no way out, you'd better know who you have your confidence in. If your confidence is in your boss, it's not going to be good. If your confidence is in the government, not going to be good. If your confidence is in your spouse, it isn't going to be good. If your confidence is in you, it's not going to be good. My confidence is in Jesus Christ, period. Check this out again, verse 22. Leaning of the entire human personality in, on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. Again, leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power. See, what I began to understand a few years ago is the reason why so many people have a difficult time walking in faith is because they lack confidence. See, you see, without confidence, we can give you a lot of stuff that works, but it won't work for you if you don't have confidence in it. Notice what he says in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. See, our profession is our confession. Our confession is our profession. What do you think is going to help build confidence in your life? It's confessing the word of God. When you start confessing it over and over, that's why he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. See, some people don't think it's important to speak the word of God over their life. It's, it's actually interesting when I'm, when I'm leading you guys even in the declarations. I don't know if you know, but I can see every one of your faces all the time. I can see when you're paying attention, when you're not. And it's kind of interesting as we begin. Sorry, little tension getter there. Uh, what, it's interesting when people first come into the church and we're making these confessions. A lot of people just stand there going, man, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I have walked into a cult. Watch out. The snakes are coming out next. And then what all of a sudden begins to happen is as they hear it more and more, they start thinking, well, you know what? That, that makes sense. It does make sense. In fact, can I tell you, a lot of worldly people get it and understand the power of life and death is in the tongue. Oprah Winfrey gets it. Other people, they, they get it. They understand that if you're going to say things and speak things about your future, those are the things that are going to start showing up. So, so I watch as this progression goes because some of you come in and, and you're like, man, this is weird. And then it's, God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. Then it gets, God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. And preaching, it's God is who he says he is. And God can do what he says he can do. You start getting this confidence in what it is that you're professing. See, it's the confessing of the word of God. That's what we're doing when we're saying God is who he says he is. We're, we're speaking words that are in alignment with the word of God. Just so you know, you don't have to confess in the King James. 
Oh, art thou mightiest of God is in my lifeth, right? You don't have to do that. You can just speak things that are life-giving in alignment with the Word of God. See, some people don't think it's important to speak the Word of God like that, but they're neglecting a vital key to build confidence in their life about the Word of God. See, that's why Joshua 1 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Isn't that incredible? It didn't say don't let it depart from your eyes or from your ears, though those things are important. But do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, that you're, you're speaking it, saying it all the time, that you're meditating on it day and night. Meditate means to mumble under your breath, to think about all the time, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Because when you're speaking, I'm an overcomer, I'm an overcomer, I'm an overcomer, then suddenly the moment you become fearful about doing something, you start going, I'm an overcomer. It's not just talking about the do's and don'ts in the word of God. It's talking about being an overcomer, understanding that you're made in the image of God so that when the enemy comes and says you're nothing but junk because it's what you've been told all your life, you're saying, God, I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image of God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image of God. Suddenly you begin to believe it. Do you see the way the enemy works all the time? If you see somebody walking down the street and they're kind of mumbling under their breath, we naturally think they're crazy. And sometimes they might be, but what the enemy's trying to do is steal this understanding from us to declare the word of God, because it goes, then you will be prosperous and successful. I love the way the New King James Version says it. It says, then you will make your way prosperous. Meaning, well, was it all about me and my self-effort? Absolutely not. I just got myself in alignment with the word of God. So I treated other people the way the word of God tells me that I should treat them, and suddenly I'm the favorite one at work. Suddenly I'm the blessed child and suddenly I'm able to get promotions and get financial advancement because I'm walking in what God has already called us to do. And then you will be successful, it goes on to say. Confidence is built by not letting the word of God depart from your mouth. The moment you hear yourself speaking something that contradicts or clashes with the word of God, we should go, ooh. Take that thought captive and make it obedient. When you get to the place where you do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, it builds confidence in that word. You begin to know intellectually. You begin to know in your heart. Listen, I used to struggle like we all do with feelings of insecurity. If if you're wondering, man, am I the only person that deals with insecurity? Just so you know, every person here today deals with insecurity from time to time. And the reason why we do as followers of Jesus Christ is because we don't understand this position of righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. And it causes inferiority. When we're insecure, we begin to feel inferior to everyone else. We begin to think, well, I'm nothing. It's because we don't understand who we are. It's one of the reasons why we focus here at this church on you understanding who you are. Because right believing always produces right behavior. If you've got wrong behavior, it's because you're not believing right. You don't understand who you are. So it creates a lot of fear and destroys confidence. For me, it was the issue of public speaking. To get up in front of people and speak publicly, I was incredibly insecure. I still get nervous every time I get up here, but I used to be so insecure. Every time before I was ready to get up and speak, I would say, Lord, I pray that the rapture would come right now. God, if there's any way that you could take us, Lord, let let it go now. I would actually pray sometimes, God, just kill me. I don't want to have to get up there. Do you know statistically people are more afraid of dying, I mean of of public speaking, than they are of dying? They would rather die than speak publicly? I get that. I do, I understand that. 
But then I begin to understand what God's word says about me. And I begin to understand I'm not up here in my own authority, in my own power. I'm not up here as Richie Brown, Mr. Professional Christian who gets it right all the time. Because when I used to do that and I would have to speak about things that we should be doing, I'd be going, oh, that's good, that's for me. Still do that almost every week. As I'm preaching, I'm like, oh yeah, that's good for me. But I begin to understand what God's word says about me and I begin to stand on the word of God and I begin to speak the word of God over my life. And I'm telling you, I felt totally stupid at first. In fact, when Pastor Bob, many of you know Pastor Bob, he's a spiritual father to me. When he came into my life, the thing he would declare over my life all the time is he'd say, Richie Brown, you're a mighty man of God. I thought, dude, you don't even know who you're talking to. I am the furthest thing from a mighty man of God. But the more he began to declare it, I began to understand it's actually who I am. It's not what I'm doing, it's who I am. Every one of you here today, men, mighty man of God. Mighty man of God, mighty man of God. Women, mighty woman of God. Mighty woman of God, mighty woman of God. You've got to understand who you are. And what I had to do is I had to get into the word of God, let the word of God get into me, and I had to start speaking what the word of God says about me. I said one of them already that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image of God. So when the devil tries to tell you you're junk, you can say, get out of here. I'm made in the image of almighty God. The word of God says that I'm more than a conqueror. Again, it doesn't just say that I am a conqueror. It says that I'm more than a conqueror. So I can understand that I am more than a conqueror. The Bible says that I'm blessed and highly favored. So I can begin to understand I'm blessed and highly favored because of what God's word says about me. And it begins to create confidence on the inside of me. So my confession is the thing that built confidence in me to help me understand who I am in Christ Jesus. It's my confession of God's word that set me free from all forms and types of doubt, fear, and unbelief. And again, the devil's telling you you're the only one that's dealing with it. I promise every person here deals with that attack of doubt, of fear, and unbelief. The enemy is relentless. You are not fighting for victory today. You're fighting from a position of victory. But you've got to understand that you've already overcome That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You're more than a conqueror today. Listen, and even though I started off saying it kind of mechanically, didn't hardly believe it myself, the more I I said it, the more I believed it, and it began to develop confidence in me. So even if you don't believe it at first, I want to encourage you today to not listen to the lie of the enemy. Declare what God's word says about you. Get into the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. It'll change your life. That's why he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Meaning we don't want to allow ourselves to deviate. Though the enemy's trying with with life and situations to to blow us off course, we want to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? Why is that so important? Look at verse 35. So do not throw away your what? Your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. Why? Why? It will be richly rewarded. Your confidence is going to be richly rewarded. The tangible evidence that we've been talking about of God's word is going to start showing up in your life. All of a sudden, your business is going to be blessed. You're going, how on earth did this happen? All of a sudden, your marriage is going to be blessed. Can I tell you one of the great things about being a follower of Jesus Christ is you get to choose what it is you believe. My my desire every week is for for you to hear the word of God, know the word of God, but you get to choose what you believe, but you don't get to choose the results of what it is that you believe. 
And if you continue to go, well, Pastor Richie, I don't really get that, so I'm not going to believe that, the enemy will keep you from developing confidence, and the tangible evidence of God's goodness will not show up in your life at the level that God wants it to show up. It will still show up some just because God loves you so much, but not at the level that God wants it to show up. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Again, the Amplified, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. Ooh, right? Say, man, I'm going to get me some of that, right? For it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. You see, my confidence in the power of God and in his word has a great and glorious compensation of reward. It means that there is a payday. How many of you look forward to payday? Payday is awesome. Look at this. Reward, compensation, payday. Are those amazing words? These things are produced. They are the results of having confidence in the power of God and in his word. The payday comes, listen to this, if we refuse to cast away our confidence. Because you can have confidence in one moment about a promise and lose it in the next moment. It's very easy because the enemy starts whispering, what are you thinking, what are you thinking, what are you thinking? Oh, maybe it's not really true. So payday comes if we refuse to cast away our confidence that we have in the word of God. It's confidence. See, and that's why, why God is looking for us to be confident in his word. That's why secular society is trying to tell you the Bible is an irrelevant book, that it doesn't work to you, for your life. Amen? It's trying to tell you those things are outdated. Sex before marriage, outdated. You should do it. It's fine. If it feels good, do it. Amen. So that's why God is looking for us to have confidence in his word, because it produces a compensation. I love that. But you can't cast away your confidence. You can't cast away your confidence. Listen, sometimes people will mistake your confidence for arrogance, but don't back down from your confidence just because they say you're arrogant. When you start saying, man, I am blessed and highly favored, they go, man, you're arrogant. Say, oh, no, no, no. You're, you're misunderstanding. It's not about me, but it's about whose I am in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you about the goodness of my God. So keep exercising your confidence. You've got to develop confidence. Keep speaking the word of God over your life. Keep reminding yourself of the things he's already done. When you're faced with a problem and you're going, I'm not sure how God's going to fix this, look back and remember some times that God fixed some things in your life. And good, the times you look back and you said, God, you did some extraordinary things in my life. God, you've healed me. You've restored me. You brought me back from the dead. God, in my marriage, in my relationships, God, it's amazing what you've done. When you do that, you keep speaking confidence. You're going to watch your confidence go through the roof. Because confidence is the missing element in everything we're trying to figure out of why stuff isn't working out. Now, sometimes we just got to be patient, but a lot of times it's because we lack confidence, and we cannot lock, lack confidence where our righteousness, right standing with God, qualified because of Jesus Christ, is concerned. We must understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and because we are that, we are flawless today. We've been pre-qualified for every blessing and favor that you can read and find in the Word of God. Right? See, if you don't have confidence in your righteousness, all, all you'll be doing is you'll be going through the motions because it isn't producing compensation. So don't cast away your confidence. Hold tight to the confidence because your confidence, again, produces a compensation. So do you know what one of the major compensations of confidence is? It's rest. 
It's the ability to rest. And I'm not talking about being lazy and sleeping in till 10 or not going to work. I'm not talking about that kind of rest. I'm talking about the turmoil that gets on the inside of you when something's going on around you. You can sit back and rest. God, I'm going to do what I know to do, but God, I'm resting in you today. God, because I know what your word says about me. And God, I know what your word says about you. And God, I know that you're good. So whether I see the goodness right now in this moment, God, my confidence is in you. And I'm able just to rest. See, when you are extremely confident in something, you don't labor. There's not this internal struggle trying to make something happen. You stop trying to become the Holy Spirit for other people. You quit, you quit feeling like you've got to change them or, or you've got to make some changes. You're trusting God. You just rest. And you don't have to pray prayers like, oh, Jesus, help me, help me, help me, help me. You can pray those kind of prayers, and those are okay if that's where you're at. But you don't have to pray those kind of prayers. Your confidence, and that confidence leads to rest. Confidence leads you to be free from worry and anxiety and fear. But it all flows out of you developing confidence, first of all, in the power of God and in the power of his word, to rest in the fact that you're flawless today, that you're pre-qualified. So how do you do that? You start speaking the word of God over your life, and you remind yourself about what God has done. You want to develop confidence in your life, you speak what the word of God says about you, and you remind yourself what God has done. You look back and you remember some times when, again, you didn't think you were going to make it through, and yet God showed up. You begin to stand upon the word of God and let the word of God, which is unshakable, be the foundation for your life. And you'll realize because of that that you're flawless today. Again, that you've qualified, not because of what you've done, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the thing that empowers you to live in rest. Ha, ah, I don't have to be anxious anymore. Ha. Ah. Don't have to be anxious about my marriage. <sighs> don't have to be anxious about my kids. <sighs> don't have to be anxious about the building project that we're in as a church. Amen? All right, one final verse, and I'm closing. Isaiah 26.3, it's the verse I shared at the end of worship. It says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Guys, if you leave that up there for just a second, look at that, look at that powerful verse. You will keep him in perfect peace. It didn't say you're gonna keep you in perfect peace. It's saying God is gonna keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Christ, on God, on Jesus. Not in my problem, how can I fix it? How can I make it happen? My mind is stayed upon Christ and who I am in Christ because he trusts in you. Again, it's easy for us to say, oh, God, I trust you, I trust you. Let me go fix this. But God says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So I want to pray over you today. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.